My wife told me I had to end on time because we have an after party apparently. I wanted to pray for people, heal the sick, set people free, but I guess, I guess I won't do that. I don't have time. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, everyone loves a, a comeback story. I'm going to have the worship team stay with me if that's right with you guys. Um, everyone loves a comeback story. Am I right about that? Like, we like to see the comeback story. How many people watched The Last Dance on Netflix with Michael Jordan? You guys see that? The Bulls, all the fellas. Um, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time. He won three championships in a row, and then he, he retired to go play baseball for a year. Bad move. But then he came back. He came back, and he won three more titles in a row for a total of six. And people were anticipating the comeback. Scottie Pippen was like, Jordan's coming back. And everybody was excited. Chicago was going nuts. And, and it was exciting, not because he left, but because he came back. Tom Brady, a few years ago, uh, I realize now that I used to think I hated the, um, I didn't like Tom Brady, but I just don't like the Patriots. Tom Brady, I'm fine with Tom Brady. So a few years ago, they're in the Super Bowl. You guys might remember this. They're playing the, the Falcons down 28 to 3. And all of this, I mean, the, the Falcons were already celebrating. They're popping champagne. You know, they're putting on their Super Bowl champion hats. And then next thing you know, the greatest comeback in the history of football Tom Brady, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, come, leads the Patriots all the way back. And they didn't even have a lead in regulation. It was the only Super Bowl that went to overtime, and they won in overtime. And they, they came back from a 28-3 to deficit in the second half. Like, it's, it's mind-blowing. It was exciting watching that game. It would have not been as exciting if, you know, they would have just blew them out 35. But the comeback, the comeback was exciting. I was at the Padre game last night, and uh, Machado dives for a, a, a ground ball and misses it, and then gets up. I'm not sure if he was faking it or not. Gets up, and he's like, you know, acting like he's hurt. So then he goes into the locker room, and then before the, uh, and then they switch pitchers, and then before they start pitching again, he comes back. And as he comes back, the whole place goes nuts, not because he, uh, with, but because he came back. I don't even know if he was hurt. He might have just went and needed to change his shoes. But because he came back from a potential injury, the place is going wild. Because the comeback, people like the comeback. The Bible talks a lot about comebacks. I mean, the greatest comeback of all time is Jesus. Come on, he was beaten. His beard was pulled out. He was spit on. He was cussed at. People gambled for his clothes. They crucified him. They killed him. They put him in a grave. And then there was anticipation because the prophets had been prophesying about the comeback. And then three days later, despite all of hell trying to keep him in the grave, Jesus comes back. Jesus comes back. And it's so exciting. It's almost like the perfect dramatic story comeback. I mean, the Bible wouldn't be as exciting if it wasn't for the comeback. 
It was an exciting, exciting time. And I think there's some people here tonight that need to make a comeback. Generally, the reason you need a comeback is because you're losing, not because you're a loser. It's because you made a bad decision, not because you're a bad person. It's because you got hurt. It's not because you're damaged goods. We all at some point need to make a, a comeback. That's the title of my message tonight is comeback. And I know there are some people here, including myself, that we need to make a comeback in some areas of our life. And I want to hit on some one in particular tonight. In Revelation 2, 2 to 5, you guys might know this scripture. It's in regards to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus means desirable. This is a desirable church. They were blowing up 60,000, 70,000 people, Bible scholars would say. Timothy was the leader of the Ephesian church, and, and God speaks to you know seven churches, seven letters, and he comes to the church of Ephesus. And he says, I know all the things you do, which is good, good to know that he sees you. There's so many of us that are doing things in the background and we don't know if God sees us. But he says, I see everything that you do. He's watching you. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance or perseverance. God has seen you in this season like Pastor Claudia was talking about. A lot of us have been taking some shots. But God has seen you in this season persevering. He's seen you working hard. He's watching you. He's actually acknowledging it and he's proud of you. We've had to persevere. You've had to persevere, persevere in your own personal world and we've had to persevere as a church. The church is made up of people. So it's not just the church that has had to persevere and work hard, it's the church. We're all the church. You've had to persevere through mandates and lockdowns and losing jobs and fighting with school boards and fighting with schools and fighting with mandates and you've persevered. You've continued to work hard. You've continued to put food on the table for your family. You've continued to get along with your spouse even though you were locked down for a little bit. You've continued to try to be a good parent to your children even though you want them off the devices but they continue to go on the devices. You've persevered, you've worked hard. It says, I know you don't tolerate evil people. God is looking at us, you, and he's complimenting you saying, I know you don't tolerate evil people. You and I are not supposed to tolerate evil. Did you know that? You're supposed to extinguish evil. You're supposed to cast out evil. You don't have to tolerate evil. The world wants you to tolerate them. The world wants the church to tolerate them, secular ideas, antichrist mandates and ideas and pressure. The world wants us to tolerate them, but they don't want to tolerate us. In the Bible, in Acts 4, they're trying to shut down the preaching of the word of God. But the disciples said, no, 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 no. We're not going to stop preaching the word of God just because you don't tolerate us. We're going to continue to preach the name of Jesus. And because they had no answer for the power of the name of Jesus, they tried to shut down the voice of the church. They tried to shut down the voice of God. They tried to shut down the word. It's been happening since the very beginning. 
Herod tried to kill Jesus when he was under two. He tried to kill the word of God. He heard that the word of God had been born and became flesh. And so he, he ordered him to kill all of the male children under two in the Bethlehem region. He's always trying to shut down the voice of God. We're supposed to tolerate these ideas that are anti-Christ and anti-Bible, but they won't tolerate us. What they do is they come into the church and they take out biblical ideas, biblical truths, and they say they're secular, and then they say there's a separation between church and state. The church can't speak into this issue. Come on, marriage isn't a secular issue. Marriage is a biblical issue. Life is a biblical issue. Gender is a biblical issue. But they come into the church and they say, you gotta tolerate us. They say it's a secular issue and they say the church just needs to be silent, just needs to tolerate it. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. This is an interesting one because we have tested those that are leading our nation, both in the church and outside of the church, and realized that they're not telling the truth. We've realized that there's manipulation happening. We've realized that they've come under a spirit, the Antichrist spirit. And so we've tested these people and we've, we've, we've exposed to them. I don't know if everybody's lying, but there are people that are deceived. And I know for me personally, there are Christian leaders that I used to trust that now I can't trust. It's been a, a great sifting, a great sifting. So now there are people that I can't listen to anymore on podcasts that I used to listen to every single week. I don't trust them. They're weak. They're more committed to their race than their Christianity. They're more committed to being popular than their Christianity. They're more committed to keeping their political position than taking a biblical position. So I can't trust you. If you're gonna do that, I can't trust you. We are Christians first. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Man, we have been persecuted, but we haven't quit. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of Awakened Church because we haven't quit. We're not quitters. God's not a quitter. You're not a quitter. I'm proud of you. God's proud of us for doing that. He's proud of us for, for persevering. So he says all of this to the Ephesian church, a desirable place. And he says he's, he acknowledges all of the good that's been happening. All of the hard work, the perseverance, the exposing of liars and manipulators, the going out there and feeding the homeless and getting people saved and all this kind of stuff. But he said this I, complaint I have against you. You don't love me or each other as you did 
at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back, come back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place amongst the churches. So he acknowledges all of these good things that we've been doing. We've been fighting. We've been warring, persevering, not quitting, trying to make things work. But he says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me like you used to. You don't love each other like you used to. You forgot. This hit me today. I had a different message, but this hit me today. It's almost like we forgot how it used to be. Remember when there wasn't all of this chaos and conflict and fighting and warring against each other, all this division, when we just could love God and love people. I believe we're still loving God and loving people, but to me personally, I go into seasons or days or weeks where I forgot how to do it. I walk into stores with my head down because I'm, I don't know if people are judging me because I'm not wearing a mask. So I don't want to engage with people. Whereas before, I'm, I'm the most smiling guy you might know. I'm trying to start conversations, trying to mention church somehow or God or, or, or something to try to start the conversation. but. It's like I forgot how to do that sometimes. I gotta, I gotta like amp myself up to do that. Because we're judging each other and we're, we're, we're fighting against each other. And I don't know if you're looking at me weird because I'm white and you don't know if you're looking at me weird because you're black or you're Mexican or you're Chinese or whatever. We forgot how to just love each other. Like two years ago, none of this stuff was even happening. We were just all boys. What's up? What's up? Breathing freely. Kids could go to school. But it's like we forgot how to love God and how to love each other. And I, this is what I this is what I know. Th this more than ever, our number one priority has to be our devotion to Him. We gotta get back to just loving Jesus. Now part of that is fighting. Part of that is standing up and standing strong. I'm not neglecting that. I'm not abdicating that responsibility. That is a, an assignment that we have at Awakened Church. But we can do both. We can do both. Everything needs to come out of our relationship with Christ. He's first. He's our priority. Tonight I want to reconsecrate ourselves to Him. Because your devotion to Him is the source of your power. It is the source of your strength. My favorite example is Samson. He was a Nazarite. And as a Nazarite, you had three things. It was your devotion, it was your consecration that you couldn't do. You couldn't drink alcohol, you couldn't hang around dead things, and you couldn't cut your hair. Samson gets married in a vineyard. Check the alcohol thing. He eats honey out of a dead lion. Check. Hangs around dead things. But he has, still had some devotion left. So he still had the strength. He still had power. 
then Delilah tricked him finally, or didn't trick him, just wore him down. And he finally gives his secret that is his hair, the last of his devotion. So they come in the Philistines and they cut his hair and he loses his strength. He lost his devotion, so he lost his strength. And after he lost his strength, he lost his vision. The devil wants to beat us down so that we get distracted, so we lose our devotion, so we lose our strength, so that we can no longer see a way out. How is this all gonna shift? The whole world is in chaos and lockdown. How are we gonna get out of this thing? I can't even see anymore. It's because of our devotion. We gotta stay strong in our devotion. We gotta stay strong in our devotion. And doing good things isn't always easy. I was listening on Sunday to Pastor Collins' message and it was such a great message and this is maybe just a little bit of an overflow from that. And he was reading in Ephesians 2.10. Do you guys have that scripture? Ephesians 2.10. It talks about, it talks about, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might, that we should walk in them. So God created us in his workmanship for good things, and then he created good things for us to walk in. Not easy things. He created us to walk in these good things, but he doesn't say that they're gonna be easy things. Sometimes it's not easy to stand up, but it's good. Sometimes we get confused if it's not easy, it's not good, or it's not God. But God is saying, I have good works for you, Awakened Church. I've put you in San Diego in this time in history for a reason, and it's a good thing, but I need you to walk in it. I need you to keep going. I need you to keep walking. It may not be easy, but it's good. It's good. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. My last scripture. When you start to spend time with God, when you reconsecrate yourself to God, when you devote yourself to God, you remember who he is. And I love David when he says, when he pins Psalm 23 and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my protector. He says, I shall not want. He's enough. You don't have to go looking for other gods. He's enough. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. It's interesting because David said he makes me lie down in green pastures. If we are not willing to lie down, if we are not willing to be still and know that he is God, he might make us. Maybe it comes by burnout. Maybe it comes by desperation. If we're not willing to, he might make us. He wants you to lie down in lush, green pastures and enjoy your hard work. Enjoy your hard work. He makes us walk in, next one. He restores my soul. 
doesn't say he restored your soul. He restores it. He can restore your soul daily. I need it daily. He restores your soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesakes. His path, it's, it's the right thing to do. But check this. Next one. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It just said that he leads you on paths of righteousness. So you're walking on a path of righteousness. You're walking on the right paths, but then all of a sudden you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a good work, but we're walking in the valley of the shadow of death. That means on the path of righteousness, on the way of doing good works, there is a shadow of death that's covering the path of righteousness. But I like David because I, he says, I will fear no evil. I'm not going to fear that shadow because you are with me. You are with me. He goes from talking about God to saying, you are with me. He makes it personal. He has a relationship with his shepherd. I think it says to lie down in green pastures before that, because I don't know if you'd have the strength to walk through the valley of the shadow of death had you not laid down in green pastures. restores our soul. We may have some people here who need to be restored. You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Some people here that need to make a comeback tonight. A comeback to Him. A comeback to devotion. A comeback to consecration. A comeback to loving Him like we used to. The greatest way I know to come back to loving him is to remember how much he loved us. If you're fluctuating in your love for Christ, just remember what he did for you first, that he so loved you that he gave his only son to die for you. When I think about how much he loves me, it's easy for me to love him. I want to ask us to do, do something. Can we stand to our feet? The team's going to sing a song. And I want us to create a moment in church on Wednesday night where we reconsecrate ourselves to Him. And I'm preaching to myself, by the way. Where we rededicate to Him because the fight's not over. We're still in the thick of this thing. And we need him if we're going to be able to walk through that shadow. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.